delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangsta Rap. Let's go. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with reality star and entrepreneur, Cynthia Bailey. She went from a small town in Alabama to the small screen in Atlanta and became a success along the way. From beauty contestant to top model to real housewife, Bailey has made her way to the top. Each step of the way has led her to another opening that's brought more accomplishments. Her latest in the world of alcohol spirits, but Cynthia is the first to tell you it hasn't been without hard work. I was born in Decatur, Alabama, and I really grew up in Tuscumbia, Alabama, which is only known for being the birthplace of Helen Keller and now me, I guess. <laughs> Humble beginnings, you know, not any real diversity, you know, just regular black folks, regular white folks attended a predominantly white high school, ended up being the first African-American homecoming queen with all white court, you know, small town where the actual, you know, there was actual Ku Klux Klan headquarters in my town. I could walk by it every day. So I, that was a huge accomplishment for me, you know, right in high school. And I thought then, wow, if this can happen, what else can I do? You know, maybe I'm destined for some other things as well. Another thing that propelled Cynthia was watching her grandmother's work ethic. 
How do you get from Alabama to New York at 18 in the sense of, you know, like you said, it wasn't like today where you have social media and everything seen. Sure, you saw it on TV. There are certain dreams, but it takes some gumption to go on your own and and get out there. Well, what happened was I was speaking about being homecoming queen. I ended up being invited to be a part of a homecoming queen pageant, which was in Atlanta. So I drove my little car to Atlanta to be a part of that. And I had never been in a pageant. It was my first and only pageant that I've ever been in. And I remember uh, I didn't have money to get a a dress. So I wore my same homecoming queen dress because we had already kind of sprung for that. So I wore that again. And I remember, you know, just being around these really beautiful, you know, very confident women, you know, girls of the homecoming queens from different parts of the South. And I did my thing. I actually think my talent, because I don't, have a whole lot of talent. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't sing. Traditional talent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I made it work for me. And don't get me wrong, but I'm not like, you know, I can't play, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, you know, we didn't have a piano in the house. So I didn't have a whole lot of talent. So what I did for my talent was I recited Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King's um, poem, I Have a Dream. And I did my thing, but long story short, I didn't place nothing, not even Miss Congeniality, nothing. So I was like, okay, I'm a pretty nice person. You don't know me, but I'm a pretty nice lady. So um, at the end of the, the pageant, this little white lady comes up to me and um, she's like, hi, I'm, you know, Betsy from Betsy so-and-so from Wilhelmina Models in New York. And, you know, I was, you know, I think you're beautiful. Have you ever thought about modeling? And I was like, no, I mean, I was still kind of, you know, sad that I didn't place in the pageant. So I was like, why is she talking about modeling? But anyway, long story short, she gave me her card and she told me that if I ever thought about coming to New York City to pursue modeling, she thought Wilhelmina Models would be interested in me. And that was like speaking Swahili, Swahili to me because I knew, first of all, my mom was not about to let me move to New York City at 18. I didn't have the money, the funds to do it. And I didn't really know anything about the industry. I didn't even know there was a modeling industry. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that when I looked in Ebony Magazine, these women got paid to be in those those photos. Like, I just didn't know. And that ignorance is just, you know, I just, that was not my world. So anyway, but I ended up, you know, just kind of planted a seed. I was just like, wow, you know, what did she say? So I didn't win the pageant, but I did kind of win. Because but you I won, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't win, but I won because I was the only one that she approached about a modeling contract. Somehow I ended up convincing my parents to let me go to to New York City to just try it out for like three months. And the lady that approached me, she set me up with uh, one of my agent, the lady who was my agent. I live with her. And the crazy thing is my roommate was Nicole Murphy, who went on to marry Eddie Murphy at the time. And she was just started. This is before it. And um, she was my roommate. And I just decided, you know what? I didn't know what. I was supposed to, I didn't know what my purpose was because, you, you know, I was young. I didn't know mm-hmm. what all of this meant, but I just felt like what I saw around me, I knew wasn't my life. And, and for people that don't know, um, Cynthia, we should say that Wilhelmina at the time was the agency. I mean, this isn't like you just stumbled into somebody who had four or five no, girls off the street. This was, it was Ford Models and Wilhelmina Models, yeah. those top two agencies in New York City. And I just knew 
I didn't know if I was going to be famous, but I knew I was supposed to, I was destined to do something with my life, something different from what I was seeing around me. And um, I remember getting on the airplane and it was American Airlines. And I remember taking my Bible and I had hustled up between my family, maybe about $300. And I remember when I sat in my little coach seat and I was sitting there and I was like, when they closed the door, I knew once the door closed, I could not get off the plane. And I went to New York City and I figured it out. Like I got myself from the airport. You know, I didn't have a cell phone. You know, this is, you know, like <laughs> four years old. This is before all of that. And I ended up kind of becoming an actress before I could become a model because what happened was once I got to New York and I was around all these different models who had, like, I had confidence. I had regular girl confidence. I didn't have supermodel confidence. And I came from, you know, you know, I grew up in church. Like, if you were pretty, you didn't, you know, flaunt it. You kind of, you know, played it down a little bit. You know, you didn't like walk into the room like you owned it. That just, because that was considered arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But as a model, you had to walk into the room like you own it. And I was able to just kind of take in, like, how to act like a model. Because I didn't know how to act like one. I was just Cindy. I I had what it took, but I didn't have the personality yet. I didn't have that confidence yet where I could just own the room when I walked in. And I learned how to do that by just watching. Like, I would go, you know, I live with my booker. So I would go and sit. And when I would finish my castings, I would just go back to the agency because I didn't have anywhere else to go except home, back to the apartment, which was like a you know small New York apartment. <laughs> yeah. And I would just sit in the lobby and all these supermodels would walk in and out. And I would just study how they dress. I would study how they walk. I would study how they talk. Um, everything. And then I started, like, when I would go to castings, I would just try to act like them. Hi, I'm Cynthia Bailey. You know, as opposed <laughs> to, like, hi, I'm Cynthia so nice to meet you. I just moved here from Alabama about two weeks ago. <laughs> I had to learn quick because New York moves fast. And um, it ended up working out for me. I, I, I thought, you know, what I thought would be maybe if it worked out, maybe a career for maybe a year mm-hmm. went on for well over 25. I don't know, I lost count at this point. Long, what, long. what kept you from the pitfalls that so many young women fall into who go into modeling, who go to New York to seek limelight and acting and all? It is for, for those of us who've been in and around the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell people, you know, fame is cool, but it ain't easy. And getting in the door and then staying in the door, which is even harder, is is difficult because there's so many tricks that people fall into. What what kept you level? My mother, you know, just growing up in the South, like the only thing that she told me was don't get in trouble. Don't do drugs. Don't like like basically if you mess up, you come back home. So I really listened to what she said. Like I was one of those, you know, I I was a good kid. I was a good uh, kid growing up. You know, they said, don't drink and drive. I didn't drink and drive. Like I just didn't do things that would, you know, cause harm to me. And my mom was like, basically, you mess up, you come back to Alabama. And I didn't want to come back out. I didn't want to go back to Alabama. So I just really focused on, I just kept my eye on the prize because I knew what the the alternative was, was to go back and, you know, maybe, you know, go to college, which I was fine with that, but I knew I could always do that. Um, 
get married, have some kids. You know, I didn't really, you know, see that in my future at such a young age, but it happened all the time where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I just kept my eye on the prize. I really focused on like, I have to make this work. I have to make this work. This is my shot. And I honestly, at that time, didn't think I would have another shot. I didn't think, I thought if I mess this up, I'm going to end up back in Alabama and I would have blown my chance. And, you know, my mother is very, a very beautiful woman. And she basically ended up uh, meeting my dad at 16, um, getting pregnant and having me. And I always felt like I messed up her life. Like had she not had me, she could have gone on to be a model or, you know, live her life. That one decision by um, having me changed the whole course of her life. So I kind of really, that kind of motivated me. I really wanted her to always feel like I wasn't a mistake. I always wanted her to look at her life and feel like I'm part of the good good that came out of her life. It was good that she had me at 16 years old, even though that was way too young to be having a, a child, but she didn't know anything about birth control or sex, anything. It just happened. And then, you know, shotgun wedding. And here is, you know, enter the world, Cynthia Bailey. And so I always kind of felt that pressure to make her proud and not do anything wrong. And plus I'm, a, I'm the oldest of three children. Mm-hmm. I think being the oldest child as well, you don't want to be, you don't get to be the kid that just messes up all the time. Like I always felt like I had to be the one to help my mom. I've just always been like that. So I wanted to be successful. I wanted to make her proud. So I stayed focused. Let me ask you this. And I, 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 I tend to do my interviews this way. I think a lot of people, you know, naturally say, Oh, and it was great. And you became a model and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And then you did acting jobs and, and that's all well and good, but I'm always interested in the back end of that. And the back end of that for me is what you do when you didn't get the modeling gig, what you do when you didn't get the part, because for me, that's what makes success It's easy when it's easy. Right. I mean, when you get the gig, it's like, it's cool. This is great. I've got it's when you don't get it, when you really want it and you don't get it. That determines if you're ever going to make it to the mountaintop. So when you did go in and maybe you didn't get the modeling job that you wanted, or you didn't get the part that you wanted. Um, you know, how many days got blue for you and, and how did you make it through to just keep going? Cause that's the fortitude that makes success. Well, you know, Ed, that we, in this industry, we hear a lot more no's than we hear yes. Mm-hmm. And I, which most people don't get. They don't understand. And everyone's not built for that. You know, it takes a special kind of person to still keep going when doors just keep closing and, you know, stand optimistic that the right door will eventually open. And for me, again, I just, you know, I didn't have a, a anything that great to go back to. So this was my shot. (laughs) This was my one shot and I was not going to blow it. So what I would do on those days, like I said, I would just study. I would study mm-hmm. who, who is working, who's getting those jobs. I would look at them in the magazines and I would look at, I would study them. What, how is she standing? How is she looking? What's her demeanor like? What's her personality like? Like, why is this person booking? And I'm not. So I, I would do that. And then I would try to, again, like I said, I was like, you know, I'd be at the agency all the time, just watching them come in and just kind of see what works. I would look at the comp cards and see like, yeah. okay, this is what she has on her card. I need to do a shot like this for this card. And then I also 
you know, I got myself a part-time job as well. Uh, I didn't know how to, you know, bartend anything like that, which I wish I had, because then I could have gotten tips and stuff. So I, I literally just walked into like a, um, a little Irish pub one day, because it was right in the neighborhood. It was like two doors down from my apartment and asked if they needed any help with anything. And they ended up hiring me just to be a greeter because they were like, well, can you bartend? I was like, no. And they're like, can you, you know, cook? And I was like, well, no, not really. Anyway, they ended up being the greeter, the hostess. And um, with with that, I ended up, you know, meeting some really cool people. I, I always took very, I took a lot of, I think as a Southern woman and, you know, someone that came from very humble beginnings, I always took pride in any job I had. I always was happy to work. And I, I still am. And I think that's why I'm successful now is because I do the work and I just stay positive. I just kept, I just kept it going. Like I, I can't really looking back. I don't know why I didn't say, Hey, you know what? This is not going to work for me. I'm just going to go. I just felt like I wasn't going to get another shot. While she had a highly successful modeling career, it was joining the Atlanta Housewives that took Bailey's fame to another level. She joined the franchise in the show's third season, but it wasn't without hesitation. She felt the show had too much drama and wondered if that was something she wanted to introduce into her life. How much time did you spend really looking at the two ends of that and and what did you have to do to decide that it was okay for you? Once I was presented with the opportunity, I think what decided it for me was, okay, this is, I'm not a drama. uh, I'm not a high conflict person. I actually pride myself on being very peaceful. I'm always on a quest for peace. I live on a lake like I just want to be left alone (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just live my life and be happy. So for me, I knew that that would be a struggle. But at that time, and this is where God steps in, at that time, they this show needed a Cynthia Bailey for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. They wanted someone who wasn't married to an athlete or whatever, someone that was self-accomplished. Uh, someone who had traveled the world, you know, I had traveled the world extensively through my modeling. I dated whoever I wanted to date. And, uh, you know, I, I was self-made and, and, and quite um, inspiring for people that, that don't sign up to just marry wealthy, which was an option. For me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, once I figured, trust me, once I figured New York out, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> And I was in all the right rooms Mm -hmm. with all the right people. And, you know, for me, I always wanted to have my own. So once going back to the show, it was just the right time for me to come on a show like this. And I was worried that, you know, I wasn't right for the show. And one of the things that I said to, you know, the people that were interviewing me, like, what do you guys expect me to come on here and do? Because I'm really not that much drama. And I, I think I'm interesting, but I don't know if I'm reality TV interesting. Um, and they said, just be you. So literally, my success from being on this show is the fact that I'm actually no drama. Like, I actually am the, the, the rational person on the show, the person that wants to get on the, you know, get to the resolution, get to the peace. 
And um, it's worked for me on a, on a, you know, on a formula that's, that it's not supposed to work. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, so let me ask you this, because I think about um, Candy mm-hmm. and the success that she has had. Yes. Um, you know, obviously prior to coming on with yes. Escape, but but all of what she's been able to do, I think about how you parlayed this into a lot of things. And I say this with no judgment made, uh, because I, I feel like any of us that can work mm-hmm. should be working, particularly in an industry that does not want us in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there is a question that and I've you know talked to her about. Uh, some of this in, in terms of grappling with the idea of it's easy for a 40 year old woman to watch it mm-hmm. and know that there's some TV aspect of this too. Right. But that's different than if you're 15 and you're watching and you're right. not as discerning. So just as you say, we don't really know each other. i probably been in the same rooms and in passing, but as I read about you and as I see and hear your spirit now, um, you know, clearly you are a, a, a bright and articulate woman. So how much do you say to yourself that whatever I can bring to this franchise to try to tamp down some of that, I'll do? Is that a consideration? Every day, every day. I knew that I could only be, be me on the show. And class on a reality show means boring, basically. So I get called boring a lot because I do have integrity and I do have class. Um, I knew that, you know, for the younger girls that watch the show, you know, one of the first businesses that I started on the show was the Bailey Agency School of Fashion. And I started that business for two reasons. I started because it's the only business I knew how to run at the time, because the only other business I was in was in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give back and help educate model hopefuls, people that wanted to get into the business. Because even now in 2021, people still don't know how to get in the fashion industry. They don't know how to get in the modeling industry, you know? So I opened that business for that reason. It was a good, I was qualified to do it. But number two, I thought this is a great way as well to, because everybody can't be a model. So, but it's like, taking acting classes. You don't have to be an actor to take acting classes because Mm -hmm. what acting classes do, it instills confidence and high self-esteem because now you got to get up in front of people and you have to, you know, be someone else and, and be, you know, that takes confidence. Everybody that can't be on stage and have the light shine on and, and speak and, and get a point across. So the other reason why I decided to do that school was because I said, you know what? Even if I can't find a hundred supermodels, I can change a hundred kids' lives by putting together a platform to help instill confidence and self-esteem. And that's really how I, how I sold the school because you know even the kids that did have talent, they were shy. I was shy. I used to be shy, but and I had to like not be shy. Like when I got to Alabama, all that was out the window. I just had to become someone else. I had to act like someone else because Cynthia Bailey mm-hmm. really is. I walk in a room. I don't want to be like, hi, everybody. I'm here. I literally want to go to my table and sit down and have my food. And like I said, just be left alone. I never wanted fame. I always wanted success, but fame came with the mm-hmm. success that I have. And 
you know, and if I am going to be famous, which it worked out for me that I am, I always wanted to use it for good and not for evil. <laughs> I've always wanted to, you know, be an example of, you know, a, a young black woman that set out with $300 in her pocket and a Bible, just took a shot, just went for it. And it could have went a number of different ways. Yeah. But I stayed focused and I made it happen. And every, because that one decision to get on that plane, it changed the entire course of my life. When we return, how Cynthia's fame impacted her daughter's life and a look at Cynthia Bailey, the entrepreneur. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that Gangster Rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reality television brings great notoriety. However, it also brings intrusion, making public parts of your life that otherwise would remain private. While often overly dramatized and sometimes scripted, much of your life becomes an open book. During her time on Housewives, Bailey has gone through a divorce and another relationship that turned into a marriage to current husband, television host Mike Hill. I wondered if she had concerns about involving loved ones with what comes along with reality television. For sure. And even, you know, uh, my husband, I, you know, I couldn't be I could not be in a relationship with someone who wasn't comfortable at least coming on the show enough to show that I had a husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> they didn't have to do that much when they got on the show, but I couldn't have this whole life outside of the show and mm-hmm. them not at least, you know, meet Mike on the show. So, you know, for me, my daughter was eight years old when I started The Real Housewives of Atlanta. She didn't have a choice. She was part of my package. You know, for me at that time, it was the choice I had made. Uh, after first season, I regretted it right away mm-hmm. because I was like, what the heck have I done? Mm-hmm. But then something else took over and said, you know what? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. You're in this. You can't become unfamous. Now I'm known for the show already. Just in one season. You know, reality, reality TV is very different from being a movie star. We're famous overnight. Movie stars, they got to work and be in a hit movie for us to know who they are for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. I was like, okay, I can't become unfamous. So now I got to make this work. And, you know, my daughter's 21 years old now. So when she was in, when I brought her in, she didn't have a choice, really. Um, My ex-husband at the time, you know, he was down for it. Um, My mom is not really a TV person. She's just a little lady from Alabama, but she, you know, she enjoys watching the show. But, um, you know, really wasn't her thing, but she played ball too. You know, my sister, you know, she really wasn't a TV person. Like we just kind of figured it out as we kind of went along. But I never really wanted to, you know, once I signed up, I knew I signed up for this. So ultimately, I I don't like really bringing my family on the show mm-hmm. because I feel like they didn't really sign up for it. But at the same time, I want the world to know that I have a family. You know, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy. So um for me, I can kind of take, you know, the, you know, I have a tough skin. I can kind of take, you know, yeah you know, the, the negativity and the criticism that comes with being a part of, uh, of the show. But I never want, you know, my mom to have to deal with anything like that. Uh, my daughter to have to deal with anything like that. So, um, 
ultimately it's worked for me. Now I'm not saying that I haven't been spiritually broken many nights. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I wake up every day doing the walk because I don't, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I just keep going. Um, I just keep going and I, I see all of the opportunities and the doors that have opened because I'm in this position. And it's almost funny because every time I kind of feel like when I get really down and discouraged, I could literally walk out of this hotel room and someone will walk straight up to me and say, I thank you so much for being on that show. You are the only reason why I watched that mm-hmm. show. And my whole family loves you. My husband loves you. My kids love you. And that makes it all worth it to me because I don't know the impact I have on the few people that I have impacted, but I have. Mm-hmm. And it feels good to know that I have brought some level of joy or inspiration or whatever it is they get from me to them. And, and that feels good. In 2019, Bailey's daughter, Noel whose father is the actor Leon, announced publicly that she is sexually fluid. This revelation was incorporated into the show. For you, um, you know, like you said, hey, me deciding to do this was one thing, me grappling with what comes with it is another. But when your children make decisions that you know are going to be hard on them at some point, that's a whole nother thing. How did you deal with that? And um, what conversations that you're comfortable with sharing did you have with her? Okay. I'm glad you asked me that question because when I look back, I think Noelle coming out on the show was one of the um, proudest accomplishments that I've been a part of on the show. My daughter left to go to Howard University. She was there for a year. Um my concern, I had the typical conversations. Don't be out getting drunk, partying. Um, don't come back home pregnant. Make sure you, you know, like same stuff any other parent would say. And after about two months, maybe three months of being there, I remember her coming back to the lake for a visit. And, um, you know, it was like, how's everything going? Are you making lots of friends? What's going on? Are you dating? Whatever. And um, she was like, well, I have something to tell you. And I was like, you're not pregnant. Are you? Right. <laughs> That's the first thought. Right. That was always my mom's worst nightmare. Like, cause she got pregnant with me so young. She just never wanted us to get pregnant. Right. young. And um, she told me that she was fluid. And I have to tell you, I didn't have any idea what the hell mm-hmm. that meant. I had no idea what fluid meant. And she told me, and I was like, okay. And I was like, are you sure? You know, and she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. So I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, are you seeing someone? Like, and she was like, yeah, I met a girl that I like. We're not serious, but I'm like, so what does that look like? Are you guys like publicly, like, are you walking across the campus holding hands, like, and stuff like that? Because now we live in the cell phone era. You know what I'm saying? She's attached to me. So here's how reality television works. If we don't talk about it on the show, our fans, the fans think we're hiding something. We're keeping something from them. So I didn't want them to feel like Noelle was ashamed of being fluid, gay, whatever, um, that we were keeping this from the public and it was some big secret or whatever. So I, you know, I told her, I said, Noelle, if you really feel like this is your truth, I think you should have your own narrative. I think you should say what it is because what's going to happen is 
unless you're just going to be sneaking and hiding with some, you know, some girl, you know, just put it out there. And she did. And it was the best decision. I will say, you know, apparently a lot of people have fluid kids now. (laughs) I didn't even know what it was. If you got more than two or three kids, somebody's probably fluid in the bunch. It just is the way it is. So I can't tell you how many people reached out to me that have fluid children, like that were so inspired by me having that conversation with Noel on the show and the way I handled the conversation. I embraced her. I was like, love is love. I love you. I just want you to be happy. I don't care what you are. Just be happy. And the number of young people her age that came, that felt more comfortable talking to their parents. They were hiding the fact that they were fluid. So it ended up being an an amazing thing for us to do on this show because it was real. And it wasn't like, you know, it's it's crazy because a lot of times when we do things on the show, like, oh, well, are they just doing it for a storyline? Why would I, I would prefer for my kid to actually be straight, to be honest, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm just keeping it 100. I think it's just, you know, I just would prefer. But she's not. So it doesn't matter to me. I love her anyway. I would never say, hey, Noel, why, why don't you uh, get together? Let's try to come up with some interesting stuff. I would never do that. I would never involve. I rarely, I only involve Noel in the show. Just enough to even let the world know that I still have a child. <laughs> and she's growing up. And now she's not eight. She's 21. So, you know, it, it's it's crazy, but that's one of my proudest moments. But she did get a little backlash and, and she actually went off social media for a little bit because what we didn't think about was, you know, the people that would, you know, come on there like, you know, kind of the religious, super religious people saying how she was going to hell and all this stuff. She was getting all kind of crazy comments and she ended up taking a like a break off social mm-hmm. media. She handled it really well for the most part. And I will say that she got way more positive feedback than, than negative. One of the upsides to being a part of a successful television franchise is the outside opportunities it affords. For Bailey, those ventures include forays into the spirits world. She opened a wine store, the Bailey Wine Cellar in Atlanta, and she's partnered with industry giant Seagram to create signature cocktails. Okay, well, let me go to the wine cellar first. Basically, I opened up the wine cellar, to be honest, because I needed another tax break. (laughs) I'm in a high bracket, so I needed, you know, something to write off. And I didn't want to do a restaurant. I had been down that road with my ex, and, you know, that's a whole, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't want to go that way. So I was like, you know what? I Maybe a bar that didn't sell food or whatever. And then I thought, you know what? What about wine? I don't know that much about wine. I would love to learn a lot more about wine. And, you know, when I turned 50, you know, I embraced grown and sexy. And I was like, what's grown and sexy? I was like, wine is grown and sexy. So I opened up the Bailey Wine Cellar. And right around the time I was doing that, one thing really had nothing to do with the other. I got a call from my agent saying that Seagram's wanted to do a meeting with me they were interested in doing a signature cocktail with me. And I was like, oh, well, that's crazy. I just opened up a wine cellar. Maybe we can do a wine together. Like I just immediately went there in my mind. But when I got on the phone with them, they basically wanted to partner with me to do my own Seagram's flavored cocktail. And that was crazy. I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And this goes back to 
people watching on the show, this is the power of this show. These people know me from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And what they, you know, outside all the craziness and the drama and the foolishness that happens on the show, they were able to see the businesswoman that I had become on the show, the, the class that I try to p- portray on the show, the um, integrity, the love, the peace, you know, family, all of those things. So that meeting turned into a very successful meeting. And um, next thing I knew, I was on a plane going to Chicago, helping formulate, they gave me a little lab coat and everything. And we, you know, put a little more of this, a little more of that. It's too sweet, a little more carbonation. And the peach bellini was born. It's, now it's one of their number one flavors. I even got my picture on the box and everything. <laughs> that was like, you know, the first thing. Little girl from Alabama with her own uh, Seagram's Escape Bellini. So that was pretty awesome. And now, you know, going back to that Frankie Mae hustle, that Alabama hustle, I was able to, because I worked my butt off and I told them, I said, listen, I'll work with you guys. I'm happy to, to have this opportunity, but I want to be a part of this. Like I want to work. And they were like, so you mean you'll come to like some of the conventions and you'll, I was like, I want this to be successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to go wherever you guys are going. I want to go. If my schedule allows Put me to work. Let's go. Let's sell this Bellini. When I tell you I've been in every Walmart in the country, we I do meet and greets at gas stations, wherever that peach Bellini is sold. I'm right there with posters, meeting, hugging, kissing babies, doing the whole thing, selling that dream. And it has paid off 100%. And true to going back to my grandmother, I took that job and I made me another job. So what happened was with the success of the peach Bellini, they ended up making me the actual brand ambassador for all of the flavors. So now I have the Jamaican Me Happy. I have all of the flavors from Seagram's Escapes. And that truly is just from me wanting to, you know, being excited about the success of what we were doing together. And now we do women's empowerment tours all over where we meet all these different women. We come together, we talk about business and family and relationships, whatever we want to talk about. And it's just been incredible. It's it's my my second favorite job other than being a mom. Just looking at the way you have spun the career out uh, and and the work ethic that you're talking about, um, what do you want next? I mean, clearly um, there are other things on the horizon. So if you if you could design it the way you want it, mm-hmm. what do you want next? I want continued success. You know, I want continued success. I want the things that I have working to continue to be working because like we always say, getting it is one thing. Keeping it is the hard part. You know, I even say that about my marriage. Getting married was part one. Staying marriage is part two. You know what I'm saying? I have to make time to, you know, put into the marriage. I have to have, make time to be a wife. So um, just keeping everything going, keeping it all going. Uh, I also want to create my own projects, which I've started doing uh, as well for television. I want to, you know, go on the, you know, on, go on the back and do the producing and the directing. Um, I've had enough camera time in my life. I'm ready to give other people the opportunity, you know, put them out there, you know, let them do all the drama, you know what I'm saying? So I'm excited about doing, um, you know, working on some projects like that. And I have some things in the work with Bravo and, NBC. Uh, I'm excited about building some things with my husband. You know, he, you know, we got married older, so he has his stuff. I have my stuff. He's whole. I'm whole. 
but I want to build some stuff together. So we have some projects that we're working on together. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. Well, if your past is any indication, we'll be looking for all of that down the line. Thank you so much for being a part of oh, our uh, podcast so today. I was looking very forward to this. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you. Whether she continues another season of The Housewives or moves on to other things, it's assured Cynthia is going to keep that Alabama hustle going to more success. A big thanks once again for her being on. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, the podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 